Fantastic. Are we ready to do this? I'm Gabby. I'm Liska. And I'm Henrik, also known as Scam English Subs on Tumblr. Yeah, and this is... Prize in Norwegian. Except today we're not going into the scamverse for the first time ever. Today we're going to be talking about young royals. And because there was a huge overlap between people who like scam and the people who like young royals. So we thought, why not? Henrik. So I don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like I said, uh, my name is Henrik. I'm the guy or a guy who did a lot of work translating and subtitling scum, making sure the original was sort of preserved, proper and accessible for everyone. I got into scum pretty late after the show had ended. And then I tried sort of recommending it to my American friends and it was just a disaster. So I got angry and did something about it and made <laughs> sure that there were good subtitles available and that sort of people can find the show and watch it. And I started a little Tumblr about it that got kind of popular because, yeah, well, you're distributing scum. So of course you're popular. <laughs> right. And I am Swedish. Yeah, I'm actually not Norwegian, but the languages are so close that it's not a big deal to um, do translation work or subtitling work. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why we decided to invite you to talk to about ro Young Royals with us today. Thank you so much. Besides doing the subtitles, you provide a lot of cultural context for Scam, and so... My, yeah, on my Tumblr, I have a huge series for Scam called Subtext and Culture, where I talk about all the stuff that international fans don't really pick up about the show, don't understand the things that's just what the hell is going on there? What's this busting? What's a toilet paper? <laughs> 40,000 kroner of toilet paper. What is going on here, right? Which the show just never, never explains, right? So I wrote a long series of that thing. Um, I did the same for Young Royals, obviously. So there's commentary, culture commentary on that thing as well, because there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of stuff in Young Royals as well that's also just not explained, just supposed to know this is Lucia thing well That's I know but <laughs> I write your post and even then I'm like okay sure <laughs> my cousin was walking by and she was like I'm I'm having vibes from that Florence Pugh movie Midsummer and I was like not, not the vibe you're supposed to be getting but okay. yeah <laughs> anything else you want to ask let's go uh, well, no, I just thought we could maybe start by talking about the, like, asking all our burning questions about things I didn't understand about young royals or just the situation in Sweden. And then uh, how, yeah, how much, how reflective a reality is it, et cetera. And then move into talking about the show. Does that seem like a reasonable schedule? Yeah, I did have some questions about the actual role of the royal family. I do know... Yeah about the law that was passed that we all joke about <laughs> how it like ruins the premise of the show but <laughs> wait i don't know about the law i'll tell you about the law then well so so basically so sweden is a constitutional monarchy the, along with a bunch of other countries in europe they became that way because they never had a revolution deposing the monarchs right a bunch of other countries killed them or got rid of them and sweden and a bunch of others just never did but it doesn't work to have sort of a dictatorship so they've evolved over time. And in Sweden, uh, the crown basically has no power at all. It's purely ceremonial. They get some money, they get some castles. They're basically stand there, be pretty. It's their job. It's, it's a PR job, right? Got it. Uh, and that is also how most other European monarchies work. It's, it's, mm -hmm. some, it's a weird little family business where the family is the business. Government funded, but here's your job. You're born into this little family business, right? That's, that's how, how it works. And then you get, of course, privileges because, hey, you're royalty, actual royalty. There's some history and stuff, but you also get royal duty. 
Um, I'm sure you sort of, you know about the um, Prince um, Harry and Meghan who yep. quit, basically. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah and then th- that's that's sort of how that thing goes, right? You can you can always get out of the family business. Um, it's, it's not it's not quite the mafia, but close. Um, so so you, you 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 can't get out of it. And yes, this I know I, I don't want this any longer, right? You you lose a bunch of privileges, but you also lose all the duties because. Yeah, you don't want them. Um, so the, the premise of Young Royals, right, is that it's a huge problem if uh, the prince or the crown prince would m- want to marry a guy. Because what, what about the line of succession? Are you eligible to inherit the throne? And the actual constitution of Sweden is fine with this, even though it was written 200 years ago. Because the way they wrote it, they, the, the intent back then was obviously, right, no, you have to be straight and marry a noble woman and have little noble children, right? But the text of the law is like, yeah, no. <laughs> Whatever, it's just about heirs and descendants, however you get them. So bastards are okay, adopted children are okay, right? But of course, there's, everything is about sort of, what, what do people like? Is, is this acceptable? Do, do, do we want this? What's public opinion? But both the Netherlands and Sweden went out recently publicly and said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You can, you can marry, you can be in a same-sex marriage and still inherit the throne, still be in the line of succession. So presumably every other European royalty or monarchy will, um, will follow suit. That was one of my top questions, just that like my impression of Sweden is of a fairly liberal, especially socially liberal society. So somewhat, I felt like the show danced around it a little bit because like the big issue is that he's gay and can't come out. But I'm like, but would it be that bad if he came out? So, but it's like almost like the show never wanted to quite say it, that that's the issue, but like clearly well, and, that's the issue. And no one's, no one's reaction is ever quite like super homophobic either. Yeah. <laughs> There's even like a fairly reasonable discussion where they say like, what, what would he do about children? Well, you can still have a surrogate. Problem solved. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the, the problem isn't him being gay, right? No one in the show has a problem with it, but it would trigger a constitutional crisis, period. You, you, you can't escape that. There's going to be people who go, well, then it's time to uh, abolish the monarchy, obviously. And it's going to be people going, no, we want to keep it. But how are we going to solve? I have no idea. So, so it's, it's a discussion, right? It's a, it's a crisis for the country because you kind of want to, know that you're going to have a head of state and that the whole system is going to keep trucking along, right? Please pop out new heirs. It's, right. It's what right. you're supposed to do. And if you can't, why are, why are we giving you money again? Maybe that's wow. my issue because I'm, I'm watching this show. I just realized like I am such an anti-monarchist. I know <laughs> you are. So I was very curious to see what like, your experience this, is going to be. Yeah, even in this incredibly benign form where they literally have no power and it's real, literally just a figurehead position. I'm just like, <laughs> no, why are you special? Like who made you boss? Like who said this was a thing? Yeah, so I was like, okay, it's going to be interesting in that way because I know your feelings about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep a minimum. I'll keep a minimum. <laughs> Most people in, re- in real life, most people don't really care one way or the other. Like there, there's a small, small fraction of people in Sweden who absolutely hate the monarchy and want it gone. And there's, of course, a small fraction of people who absolutely love the monarchy and want it to stay forever. But most people's like, whatever, what? they're, they're, they're there, fine, right. we don't care. <laughs> I said that I knew about, about it because, as we said, there's an overlap with a lot of scam fans. And someone on my timeline tweeted it and the news, what they wrote was, they did it for Willem. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I also, I guess, had a question about like boarding school culture and whether how prominent that is actually in Sweden. Okay, so 
in Sweden, there's currently two boarding schools like this that Hildeska okay. is obviously modeled after. Um, and they've been around for a couple of hundred years or something. Uh, in England or UK, there's way more boarding schools like this, uh, more prestigious going back even more centuries, right? Uh, and they've been around yeah, for a long time. And it, they, they exist, upper classes send their kids there, the whole shebang. In the show, there's obviously less students than there would be in the real world, which makes some of the things not work very well. For example, the house system. I mean, you, you've read Harry Potter, right? They have houses. Good. That's a real thing. Okay. She, she didn't make that thing up. So, and, and the, the real story is actually horrible, right? Because the house system is a way for teachers and staff to control the kids. It's a divide and conquer strategy. You take the kids, you arbitrarily divide them, the sorting hat, whatever. Uh, you arbitrarily divide them into houses and then you pit the houses against each other. So they compete uh, with only competitions or real competitions or the houses have some rivalries, ancient rivalries, right? So they keep grudges and fight each other and not the teachers. And then for punishment for keeping keeping everyone in line you have collective punishment it's like minus 10 points for gryffindor that's a collective punishment the entire house gets punished if a single member fucks up so in reality what what happened well definitely definitely happened long ago problem not these days right is that if you an individual fucks up somehow and earns the house a collective punishment everyone's going to be pissed at you and beat the shit out of you for doing that so all the kids keep each other in check which is clever and terrible. <clears throat> so that's the house system, right? But in Young Royals, there's only two houses. There's only the, the boys' house and the girls' house. The real deal has this one school called Lundsberg. They have six houses. Like I think one or two are co-ed, two are boys only, two are girls only, something like that. In, in the English world, there's way more and more houses. And so it works, this, works the same way everywhere. I'm yeah. nodding emphatically to everything you're saying, especially about the control. It's also such a, an early way to instill this idea of tribalism and oh, absolutely, yes. which translates to nationalism. And that, and that is that's the whole the whole point of the system. The the reason these upper class families send their kids right is to get this loyalty. They they want sort of class loyalty. They want all the kids to be loyal to each other and to their class. Uh, there, there was a funny thing from. The production where some interview with um, with the show creators where they said that they had been going to the real world schools and trying to sort of get information and they were completely stonewalled class loyalty screw you you are not upper class we're not going to tell you we're shit. not going to tell you. you 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 get you get the, the pr line you get that oh this is a fantastic school everyone is so happy here blah 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 yeah but what is what is the real like this is a fantastic school everyone is so happy <laughs> here fuck off commoner so so it's it's a thing this is really a thing you are blowing uh, my and mind. I don't think the, yeah, <laughs> I don't think the show really hammers that point down but sort of more expects you to know this right but it's absolutely a thing I know especially in the east coast in the US there is a whole yeah. a boarding school culture but I was not familiar with it and even when I did because I did go to Harvard there were a lot of them but I didn't really interact I mean maybe that first year very important like what school you went to and I think a lot of them still stuck together then after that it didn't matter as much so maybe I was friends with them and I didn't know but like it was like something that was fascinating but I also kind of didn't want to know about it so I never really asked it was just like a thing that was there unspoken and I was very curious but also like "Mm, a little iffy about the whole thing (laughs) and so now I'm like "Ah, I wish I had like asked more questions (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering like how much translated because obviously 
the structure that they're trying to model is a European one. So I'm wondering how much translated even in terms of mm -hmm. that, of how those things work. But yeah, I knew, I, like I instantly knew that if you went to one of these schools, you were like the very, very, very rich, yeah. Uh, yeah. Even, even at Harvard. So it's like, oh, okay, all right, say no more. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said, Heinrich. These are institutions that still carry that tradition. And I think even, even though, I think it's why I'm so, I have this like anti-monarchist reaction because even though I, I know most people don't care because I really don't have any say, but there's something about it that continues this like kind of, uh, I don't know, reactionary concept even of some yeah. people being more important or that like institutions like these private schools or these clubs or houses or whatever they are, <laughs> where uh, th there is power in those, class power. Definitely. Yeah. Interesting. I was gonna say, I do think that even with what we were saying about our impression of Sweden, I do think that I did like that implication of how power and class class structure is so prevalent. And I thought that was a really interesting sort of discussion with the different characters. So I would say to me, that was one of the aspects that worked the most. Yeah, the I would say the, the, the class, so social classes is usually um, interesting to watch Americans encounter, sorry. <laughs> because it, it, in, in America, right, um, most people think of social class as money, 100% about money. And in Europe, this is not true. And it's actually not true in America either. People just think it is. Uh, but social classes are about culture. And the upper classes are a culture of their own. They're a people of their own. And they, they keep other people out. And they, they're not going to let you in just because you have money. You also have to have class, manners, uh, behavior values um, and the big purpose of schools like this is to bring kids into this culture to teach them what it is to be upper class which is why a big theme of the show is august and his uh he's not happy about wilhelm hanging out with simon, with simon right mm -hmm. because simon is lower class so shouldn't you shouldn't talk to this guy you're not learning anything you should learn from us your upper class man your the people who know what it's like to be upper class we're going to teach you. So the show does a pretty good job of just showing off that thing. I have a question about the actual school itself it's on, on similar theme, because one thing I noticed is that even though it is so about who they are and the, their culture and everything, the school itself is quite modest, at least it seems to me, in terms of like the classrooms and the, okay, they have these like dining tables that are a little fancier, but- and oh, in the show. Yes, yeah, in the show, not in real life. So my, actually, that was my question for you is if you, if you know, whether the schools, because when I think of like Eton or something in UK, I mean, I'm picturing Hogwarts, right? So, which was shot in a public, I mean, a, well, I think they call them yes. public schools, but it's a boarding school in, in Scotland, I think. And uh, so this doesn't look like that. I mean, it has some sort of- The location here. is just a random con castle converted into a conference center. Okay. So they have tiny classrooms. But it's, it's like for companies going there, doing some education, do some off-site off education activities. There are some rooms you can, you can stay the night if you want to. Um, and there's, of course, dining facilities, right? So it's, it's a location that is decently suited, but it's way smaller than what the real deal would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have a budget. We all understand that. <laughs> okay. And there's also, you have the dining rooms, right? There's a bunch of scenes in the various dining rooms, girls and boys, right? And they look exactly the same because it's probably two rooms in the castle. Yeah. In the real world, they would be in different physical buildings. Right. 
they would separate that much, right? It's, it's right. how it works. I did also love the scene where Willem and his parents sit down to dinner after, spoiler alert, big thing happens in the family. And I'm like, this is just like a modest Ikea kitchen. Like you can see the, <laughs> you know, it's literally a dining kitchen. And I'm like, is this how royals in Sweden live? I'm confused. I, I noticed it this time around. I was like, okay, that's, that's, <laughs> that's just like a production, like someone's apartment. Yeah, guys. yeah. It's either production or if they're saying something with it, it's that like, look how normal we are but then it's almost like saying it too much like just own that you're royals if you are you know yeah <laughs> but, but I, I mean I I would guess that the real real royals probably have smaller tinier cozier parts of where they live where they can sort of be normal families right they of course have like family dinners someone else made the food right obviously <laughs> uh, but 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 still right so so it's not all grand ballrooms full-on state dinner every night yeah. right it's like they're, they're people too they can't do that every day so i think it's pretty true to life actually that they're having this sort of intimate family moment mm-hmm. uh, and then as opposed to all the public pr moments that they're doing yeah it's a good contrast in the show too especially because what they're going through is like you said so public uh it's like that's like most intimate private thing that could happen in your life but it's literally for the whole world to watch. I had a, I mean, the show touches a little bit also on immigration with Simone, Simone and his family who seem to be from somewhere else. They're from, they're from Latin America. How realistic is it? I, the, the show kind of like hints at some of the conflicts there, uh, but it seems to center more around class. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's common that you have immigrant families, obviously, based on demographics. I think I did a check. The biggest Latin American demographic in Sweden come from Chile. Uh, but there's a bunch of there's a bunch of other Spanish pe- Spanish speaking peoples uh, living in Sweden or immigrating to Sweden, obviously, and having a sort of a bilingual immigrant second generation immigrant family. This it's super common, of course. I know this because I read your thing. Uh, that <laughs> Omar uh, Simon uh, is from Venezuela, and uh, that the mom is uh, New Rican. I I don't think we use the term New Rican anymore. So. Puerto Rican via New York. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> you mean the actress? Yeah. The yeah. Mom. Oh, that's cool. And then I think my only other last question was, what is Lucia? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a big one. Um, it's a Christmas tradition, basically. So a long time ago, uh, midwinter was on December 13th. And then calendar shifts, sort of thing moved. Uh, people kept the celebration on the date. And it's basically a, yeah, a celebration of light. And then Christianity came and took it, as they do, uh, and said, oh, this is actually about a, a saint from Sicily or something. Okay, whatever, let's go. But you, you sort of kept the celebrations um, because it's super dark in Sweden at this time of year. So you want some sort of, here comes the light again, new year, new light. And what it looks like in the show is very, very close to reality. Uh, it's a procession, a choir, people dress up. There's a bunch of songs you have to do and bunch of optional songs that you can perform for for the audience it's, you, you do this you do this in schools you do this in kindergartens there's and there's like going up uh, there's a there's a national lucia being chosen there's some sort of kind of a beauty contest thing uh less less so these days did it like a hundred years ago they kind of started some some magazine made a beauty contest out of it I said, we're going we're gonna to pick uh, the lucia for this town she's gonna represent our town and then there's one who represents all of Sweden. And it's also every year there's one national thing that gets televised. Uh, so you, everyone can watch it. 
when they've already watched their kids at kindergarten do the exact same thing, right? But um, <laughs> more chaotic, <laughs> less strict, less formal. <laughs> and on a school level, it's basically like a popularity contest. I mean, that's kind of what I got out of it. You, you have to choose. So if, if you're if you're strict about it, there's one Lucia, right? So you have to choose that person somehow. Uh, you can do whatever. And it's supposed to be a girl. Um, these days, it's like, uh, whatever. Uh, if you're a boy, yeah, sure, fine. If, if you're in kindergarten, it's like, oh, everyone wants to be Lucia. Great. Have at it. Whatever. <laughs> we don't care anymore. <laughs> I, I was Googling pictures of the thing, right? Uh, just before this. And you can, you can sort of see the formal processions. Everyone is serious if they're adults. Then for kids, it's like half the kids have light crowns. The other half are just running all around. It's just it's terrible. It's funny. Uh, but, but everyone is super familiar with it. It's a Christmas thing. And since you do it before Christmas break, um, you do it at school. You do it in workplaces. It's a morning of the 13th. You do the sort of procession singing performance thing. Do they so. do like real candles? Yeah. Okay. Because that seemed very scary. That is very scary. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm picturing have... kindergartners running around. <laughs> no, they, they have battery powered okay. plastic ones. Yeah. There's a yeah, lot. <laughs> I guess related to uh, Liska's question is about the diversity in, in the show, right? We do have um, Felice being half Black and the show is very nonchalant about the whole thing. Like it's not an issue with uh, Simon it, that he's poor. It's not really that. <laughs> like it's like you're just not of the right class. So um, yeah, I wrote a post about it, of course. But uh in, in terms of reality, um, like so, so from an American perspective, it might appear that the show is not diverse compared to what you would sort of expect from an American show. Uh, compared to reality, the show is extremely diverse and extremely unrealistic. Because in reality, everyone is white. If you're upper class, you're white. If you go to school like this, you're white. Mm-hmm. Well, I found a photo from the start of the school year for The Real Deal, Lundsberg. It's in a church, they're having some assembly and photos from, you see everyone's back of their heads and everyone is white, except maybe one or two kids. And that's this year, right. mm-hmm. 2021, or last year, sorry, 2021. So it's, it's super conservative. It's absolutely not diverse. You, you can't get in the upper classes if, unless you're white, or sorry, you have to be ethnically Swedish, whatever that means. Yes. You don't really care about race, but you have to be Swedish uh, to, to get into those classes, to know the right people, to be accepted as one of them, right? Um, so the show is just that Felice is apparently the richest, belongs to the richest family, and that she's half black, and that her, her dad is black. That's, that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk, man. That, that would never happen. Uh, so the show is super progressive, actually. But you, even though you might think that they're, they're yeah. being super conservative, so it's the other way around. It's interesting. We'll probably get into this when we talk about the show more, but I, one of my kind of thoughts about it was I was wondering why they didn't push certain things more, certain dramatic questions, why there aren't more pressures on some of the kids about certain things. I will say just this comment has changed my mind about this specific issue because it is such an issue in real life in a weird way. Mm. There's something brave or admirable, I don't know, about choosing to present a world where that, where it isn't an issue. Yeah. Also, sorry, it's a very American thing to make everything about race. So I would say there has to be a discussion about race because it's so important, right? In Europe, it's less important. Uh, it doesn't have to be about race. And young royals, they say nothing, really. They, 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 they present this more diverse u- universe, and then they do absolutely nothing about it. No comments, <laughs> no talk, no discourse, 
nothing. It's just, no, it's just I, there. I do, I do think that there are times when that's great. And I think in this show, I actually do support it. And I think it's well done and I'm all, all for it, right? Shit's Creek did the similar thing where it's a world with no homophobia. It's interesting regarding Europe. I always have this question and I, I don't know the answer to it by any means, but uh, how much in Europe is it not about race versus how much is just not talked about how much it's about race? I mean, you, you did mention that all the upper class are uh, ethnically Swedish, which is presumably probably largely white, even though there are uh, indigenous Swedes, but I don't think they are represented in the upper class. No, no <laughs> so, they're not. So, so the, the, the situation in Europe is that we don't really care about skin color that much. That is a super American thing that basically the darker your skin color, the more racial oppression you experience. That is 100% an American experience. And in Europe, it's just not true. We don't really care, right? If you speak the language without an accent, if you have a Swedish name, then no one cares. But that if you don't speak the language, if you have an immigrant accent, if you live in an immigrant neighborhood, if you have an immigrant name, then screw you, you're going you're gonna to experience a lot of oppression. Mm. So it goes on those lines instead, right? And as you said, there's an indigenous population in Sweden as well, up in the north, the, the Sami, and they are super white. They are, they are really, really, really white. And they experience this racial oppression sort of thing, right? Despite being white. So in Europe, it's different. Even more ethnic or even sort of xenophobic based than yeah. race. It's, it's culture more than skin color. Right. And then those two things go together quite a lot. Um, there's obviously a bunch of racial slurs that are about sort of skin color, hair color in all of Europe, most of the languages. But, uh, but the, the American way of dividing people is just not there. That's true. I mean, um, I have family in UK who've been there for a very long time and consider themselves British, um, even though their names and everything are very Eastern European. And I've heard maybe one of them <laughs> say very like anti-Eastern European things that, I, and I'm always like, but, but you're an immigrant, but, but somebody kind of speaks to that. It's not really about, because Eastern Europeans are obviously also very white, but it's, it's, it's not really about that. Uh, that mm. makes sense. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying that. I didn't want to get too, too dark, but I, yes. uh, yeah, I know it's still it's a terrible subject, but let's just touch on it a bit. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, do we want to talk about the actual show? Let's get into it. Spoilers okay. ahead. You just watched the show. This was my second time watching the show. I watched it when it came out last summer. And funnily enough, I was telling Henrik before you got here that I watched it because you sent me the trailer <laughs> because his name was Wilhelm and you thought <laughs> that was hilarious. I watched the first three episodes on the plane on my iPhone and then I finished the whole thing uh, pretty quickly. Uh, so I definitely binged it and enjoyed it overall, but we can talk more in detail. What was your sort of general experience? Overall, I enjoyed it, entertained by it. I, by the end, I was definitely won over by it, but it felt a little bit like a slow start. And then I had some kind of broader thoughts about the structure of the season where I thought I, they, they could have been stronger. But in the end, there's enough of the things that are, that are delightful that I love that as a whole, like I would definitely recommend the show to people who like this kind of content. What is something that you, you really liked? I mean, I have like a whole little list. Wilhelm and Simone as a as a couple, like all their scenes together, the two actors especially. Yeah, same. I had the same impression uh, with both of them and that definitely being one of the strengths of the show and why people respond to it so much. Even though the things happening around them are very dramatic, uh, the presence of the two of them to me was very like calming and like joyful. I did not know how young Wilhelm was until today. 
Uh, <laughs> How old was he? Was he 16? I think so. Cause he's like 18 or 19 now. Um, Omar tweets more. So like I knew him a little bit more, like he's a little bit more present on social media. Cause a lot of his main focus uh, for Simon is his music. That's what he did before the show. This is his first time acting. So I was a little bit more aware with him and I knew he was early twenties, but I do. One of the things that I do also like is that everyone is on the younger side, right? Everyone is uh, either a teen or early twenties. You know, they look like as much as you can look as a normal teen in these type of shows and they have zits and scars and whatever and it's great one of the things that made me love scum in the first place is was that aspect right that you're casting age appropriate actors and makes makes the whole thing so much better more honest i don't know like Oh, well, another kind of like favorite things that I should have led with. I was like, do I start with the big thing or like one of the littler things? Willem's hair, which is so like the kind of hair, like my seventh grade crush had that exact same haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it's so a comeback. And, and, then, and then for the first couple of episodes, I was like, he looks just like Christian Bale in Newsies, even though he kind of like brushes his hair. Yeah, brushes anyway. his hair. No, I, I am a fan of the of the hair brushing situation. I think they both have great hair. Definitely different on the spectrum. And I think the curly hair is definitely more in and now. So I appreciate that uh, Wilhelm's going for, you know, like you're saying. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the 90s are in. Everyone's into the 90s. It only makes sense for the hair to come back. In terms of them, I also really like the way that they use the school choir throughout the season I thought that was like a really cool recurring motif with the two of them I don't know that much about the songs which I wish I had spent a little bit more time but I I really liked it and I really like sort of tracking their relationship even through those performances uh and I like that sort of full circle moment between that first episode and the final episode the the breaking of the fourth wall yes the breaking of the fourth wall moment yeah yeah that that boy just wanted a hug yeah definitely (laughs) Oh, and please hug him, please. His brother was the only one who gave him any type of physical affection. That yes. was another thing I really loved is that brother relationship in this kind of what seems to be a very restrictive, well, at least to some degree, restrictive, oppressive family dynamic where there's a lot of responsibility and this like, you know, sense of honor and duty and all this kind of stuff. And yet they felt so natural and really humanized them. And I did not see that coming. And so I was pretty upset. I had literally just written the note to myself about like, I love this relationship. And and I was like, no. I'm interested to know what your notes about how they could have improved structure of the season are, because one of the things that I did like was what they were able to put into those six episodes, especially like you're saying that relationship between the two of them felt really fleshed out. And so that when that moment came, even though I had a feeling about it, I don't know why, like when I started that third episode, I just had a feeling it works really well for and and you, you, you feel that pain and you understand what this means and it works great um and the family dynamic as a whole um I really liked and and I think it's small things just like when he's trying to say goodbye to his brother and he just won't stop hugging him he won't let him go again just really uh made me like Willem from from the beginning just to see that and I did notice I was going to ask you, but then I read your post and I did notice that in that last conversation that they have where he's asking him about the crush, it does appear that he's not assuming that it's a girl. It's also nice to see how Eric has sort of accepted his fate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, I mean, he's been groomed from birth. Like, you are the crown prince. You are going to be king one day. Deal mm-hmm. with it. And he has dealt with it, right? So he, so he, he knows he's learned the lessons. He's 
it's all about the sort of keeping up the facade, right? Keeping up appearances is the most important thing. And that, that's what he wants to teach Wilhelm to do as well, right? But he can also be goofy. Yes, exactly. A like, little bit, a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit in private. You understand that his priorities are the same as his mother's. And yet the way he delivers these messages, you're like, come on. Way like, better. Way better. Mom is a lot. Especially towards the end when she says, then uh, otherwise Eric's death would have been for nothing. I was like, I can feel the years and maybe decades of pressure or weight that you're carrying on your shoulders. And it felt like it had more, more time to affect her than it has Eric. I mean, I would like to think that he would have been able to carry it a little bit better or handle it a little better in the end. But she, she came out very complicated in the end in an interesting way. I, I do agree. And every time she's trying to be comforting, I just want her to stop even in that dinner that we were talking about where she's like you know I had my whole life to accept this and your brother had his whole life poor you you gotta accept in the next five minutes I was like man that is not coming across how you think it's coming across and so and, and over and over you kind of get that and I thought it was really interesting that this disconnect between all of these children and these parents like the only mom who had any understanding of her children was Simone and Sarah's mom like yeah the only nice one. She she, she, nice she hugs one. her kids, right? Her the kids. others, not so much. No, and she asks them, "What do you need? What can yeah. I do?" You know, it's not about them. Everyone else is about them first. Or Eric's the status. family. Or right. the family, yeah, yeah. the family. Yes, structuring wise, I thought Eric's death came in a, in a good place as this kind of like midpoint twist. My my structure question is more not question, but like for the first three episodes, a little bit like where is this going? Like what is this about? Except a bunch of kids in a school, which mm-hmm. is, it didn't feel like enough of a unifying dramatic question. I mean, like there's a romance and there's kind of a little bit of conflict around the romance and there's various kind of relationships, friendship conflicts, but it just didn't seem like unifying enough. And then once that turn happens to the midpoint, it felt a little bit more kind of moving towards a narrative goal. I mean, I was enjoying it, but I was more, much more invested at that point. So I, think yeah, I do agree that I was going to say that I do agree that second half, the way that everything is like, if it's just paced really well for me, the way that everything comes and even the twist, as you see them coming, like what, you know, August and everything he's doing, you, you can see how everything's going to fit together and you want to tell them to stop, but you can't, but it works really well. <laughs> so. Yeah. I almost wondered the, the reveal or, or, or rather uh, August leaking the quote unquote sex tape, the fallout from that for both for, for Willem, but also for Simone is so interesting to me that I was like, I could have watched half a season of this. So I wondered what that would have looked like if they had been a little bit more aggressive in their rhythm in the very beginning to get mm-hmm. to that place, you know, two, you know, two, two or three episodes before the end. So, so I had kind of questions like that more than where I think they did, did something wrong. They only spend a single episode on that mm-hmm. part, actually, because episode five is all about Alexander and the drugs, all they do. And then really a six is just the aftermath. Yeah, it's definitely, um, again, the, the American viewer in me. I want it. I felt like it could use more episodes because as, as I thought that they used the time they had very efficiently, but I wanted a little bit more room for it to breathe a little bit more, both in, like you're saying, those those reactions between the two of them. But also I thought like, I enjoy moments of joy and they weren't a lot of them. There, well, there wasn't room, room for them, right? Uh, and so I wanted just a tiny, tiny bit more. Obviously when it came to Simon Wilhelm, but also like I thought that Felice and Wilhelm was interesting. And I wanted to see a little bit more of that as them as, as friends, right? And give it a little bit more breathing room for that uh, and things like that. Yeah, that storyline. And another way of putting it is um, there were 
were times when I felt like they, the dramatic conflict was being minimized uh, and Felice and Wilhelm would be one of those examples where it sets up like it's going to be like she has her eye on the crown prince and then it kind of doesn't do anything with it, which is fine. I actually like the idea of them just becoming friends, but um, I needed some sort of resolution or some sort of indication from the two players involved that it was moving into a new stage. Like it sort of just sort of seems to be in a new stage. And I was like, oh, where did, all right, okay. Going along with it, let's go. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's that, that room and breathing time you're talking about. And, and or another way of putting it in these stakes, uh, it's in the second half that really we understand the stakes of the relationship. I mean, you kind of intellectually know he probably can't be with Simone for some reason, but the show won't tell me. But, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, when it's, when he is the crown prince, then it's like, oh, this is actually... No, yeah. okay now it now I kind of get it well and I think it's also you can't just because you can't uh divide what we do know of like Harry and Megan right so it's like well he's only the spare so that that's fits <laughs> into your narrative of it where it's like you know we we know what Harry did he said bye um <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna move next to Oprah have fun right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm going yeah, I- to like smile in my Christmas pictures um you know uh show, my be- show off his beautiful children um Henrik in your I actually listened to your interview with uh, Altair Love I don't know if I mentioned I mean I know I told you before we started recording but saying it now for the record and uh one of the things that you said that I thought was so smart is uh commenting on how Scam chooses these dramatic narratives that are so kind of in, you know from an adult perspective low low stakes uh mm-hmm. and very low key and I sometimes I felt like the show was trying to have that vibe but inherently like we're talking about princes and and you know in a, it, it's a very heightened setting yes, so it, it, <laughs> it felt a little like uh co- conflicted or contradictory in what they were trying to do with with that uh I wasn't sure that the scam choice of portraying very like low stakes, realistic teen problems worked in the setting. Not that it's saying those two things couldn't work, uh, but something about it wasn't gelling exactly. For, like I felt like I saw what they were trying to do, but it wasn't gelling completely. Yeah, they, they are, they're absolutely going for the same vibe. That is that is definitely true, right? But in scam, all all the conflict is basically about miscommunication. It's silly teenagers being silly teenagers and yeah. then they can't talk about it and that, that's every single conflict in scam is basically that thing right uh whereas in young royals it's actually the opposite i mean they they communicate really well i mean they <laughs> they talk about their issues i have this problem with the with alexander being busted for the drugs let's talk about it let's have a discussion about it let's put everything on the table and going these are my issues these are my issues and they talk about it right um and all the drama is externally fueled by the situation uh, whereas in scum all the drama is internally generated yeah. mm-hmm. um, so that, that is a huge difference yes even though they're trying they they wish they were but can't mm-hmm. really because because the setting is what it is exactly. right exactly and just the premise it just you can't yeah it if that's what you chose but i do love that you mentioned that they are good communicators they are actually really good communicators i think that's part of the reason why i really enjoyed those moments with them and i want it more yeah <laughs> i was like oh look at these uh they're, they're pretty mature even and and also like i think a lot of the times scam protagonists have a problem saying I don't know what to do uh here there's a lot of I don't know what to do I'm I'm this I please like what should I do Mm. um um 
And, and so those moments worked for me a lot. And I was going to say something else, but I forgot it. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, Willem's, Willem's moment when, I mean, all, all of his scenes and performances after his brother dies are very, uh, very real and uh, emotional and, and exactly that kind of, there's a scene, I think he's talking to August after they get drunk and he's just like, it's, it's the, it's the expressing that kind of existential, like the whyness of it. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like the world, oh, he says that everything is upside down. Like basically just like nothing makes sense. I don't understand anything. And that felt very real. And um, yeah, that, that got me. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say rewatching this. I, re- I think when we watched that first episode together, I had forgotten how much I hated August in that <laughs> beginning. <laughs> Especially that first episode, I like could not remember anything redeeming about him. And then as I was rewatching, I was like, okay, it it works. And and, and to me, it was actually that conversation. Uh, even though I've seen him suffer so much, that conver- he has two moments: one before he's sent the video, and the one after, where I was like, okay, I can see, I can see the redemption arc in you. Uh, and one is that where he at first does not know how to respond to Wilhelm, right? Because it's like he's not expecting it from him at that point but at the same time he does understand this grief right uh and that sort of moment of genuine pain and connection and trying to help him the way that he knows how to felt really real to me and endeared endeared him to me a little bit (laughs) Um, and the other is yes he comes and he brings him like food and he's all guilty about it I know why he's doing it and yet um and that moment, he's the only person that knows Eric the same way that Wilhelm does. So when Wilhelm is like, what would my brother tell me? He's like, just he just wants you to be happy. He would want you to be yourself, right? Uh, and, and he's the only person saying that. And yes, we know all of this about Eric. And it would probably be more complicated than that. But I also, you know, believed it. <laughs> If, if it's not true that they both at least want to believe the lie, I don't know. And then he's cut off. We'll see what that, what that looks like. There, there is a moment in, I think it's in the second episode or something, where uh, the headmistress confronts or talks to August about, hey, the money. And in the scene, August, he's carrying a kettlebell. He's carrying his books. He's literally weighed down. It's like so cinematography is like, yeah, show, I see what you're doing here, right? It's okay. You're, you're, yeah, he's bad, but yes, look at all and, the pressure he's under. Well, exactly. And to it. me, I got it intellectually for the first like four episodes, but I was still like, I just, I can't stand you. <laughs> that actor is so well cast too. I'm sorry. He's so perfect. He has that this like perfect, like good looking rich kid, but like just just like smarmy enough I mean he plays it really really well I I have to say August is one of my favorite things about the show and I thought they crafted his character so perfectly of being an empathizable almost likable antagonist where you're both where you can at the same time be like I hate what you're doing this is so wrong but like I kind of get you at least I felt that way or I get where you're coming from and I can disagree with it but man do I feel it and for me it was when he says it was his determination to keep his I don't remember what it's called nor would I know how to pronounce it but his estate I assume yeah oh I did have a question about about that yeah but go on go on just the idea of this 17 year old kid so fiercely wanting to guard that for his passed away not very good dad (laughs) really 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 endeared me to him and 
I'm not saying it justifies the things he does, but it it just made me understand where he was coming from in a in a empathetic way. You definitely weren't dumped to him earlier than I did because my reaction to that is like, you have a solution to your problem, but you refuse to <laughs> engage with it because uh, of the implications. And because I am very, very dumb, the solution is to ask uh, the royal family for help or to ask. No, the solution. I mean, my understanding of it was that he needs to like fucking sell some of the like actual. Oh, uh, right. But yeah. that's the solution to his money problems, but the solution to like his emotional kind of like- Oh yeah, of course. He doesn't have a solution to that. That one, that one I can empathize <laughs> with. Yeah. Um, as, as, yes. But you know, I'm just saying, it's halfway there. Um, true, true. It is, he definitely needs like a therapist to walk him through it is what it, what, it's what's really going on because he's not actually in material uh, trouble of any kind. You but. had a question? I don't remember what it was. Has, okay, yeah, it was about the estate, I think. I think it was about the estate and I guess how it how that worked. So all, all of the nobility, right? They're all they all have old titles, old estates, old things that they've inherited. They all have a legacy. The, so previously, right, no, nobility had a lot of privileges. They were protected by by the government, by the crown. Uh, these days those protections are going away more and more and more and more. Uh, no new nobility can be created, at least not in Sweden. Um, no one's no one's getting any new titles. So whenever a noble family dies out, they're gone forever. So, okay. so all of these families are actually very interested in preserving their legis- legacy for whatever reasons, right? They, they they care a lot more about that that stuff than us mere mortals <laughs> do, right? So it's it's they are all these kids are under a lot of pressure from their families, right? I mean, especially see this with Felice and her mom's new son, who is a horrible person. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah no definitely <laughs> that is that is a terrible thing what she's doing um she was the real villain, 100%. yeah i am obviously not upper class um i don't know anyone who's upper class but i know people who are upper class adjacent right so i've, I've heard stories uh, and basically whenever when the royal family previously announced their kids other upper class families started conceiving kids so that they would have kids of the exact same age as the royal children and they moved and they made sure that their kids would go to the same schools as the royal children would go to so that they could become friends with them so that they could sort of move into the royal family. <laughs> so the whole, so Felice, Felice exists because her parents wanted in with the royals. They're the richest family in the country, apparently. That's not enough. So they're having a kid. Yeah. That's why she goes to the same pushing school. their kid, like, get together with Wilhelm marry him become the queen you will be the queen this is your job this is why you exist i don't care about anything else i don't care about your stupid horses and your friendships and whatever wilhelm how's wilhelm doing like the whole thing but when you meet yeah. her mom the yeah, first yeah, yeah. time it's like yeah yeah that, that, that's nice sweetie how's it going wilhelm <laughs> laser focus right <sighs> terrible oh terrible and this I is mean, this is based on real life which is just it also it also puts into context that whole where i was like okay well i'm respect a little bit that whole move where he you know he's been in the society for a week but he's been told for that whole week that this is like we're here to support you you're gonna be the king yeah. and then so eventually he turns on august and he's like who's gonna be the king yeah. me so who are you gonna listen to and something that they've been drilled their entire lives that was a move bro. i was very proud of him <laughs> that's an awesome moment absolutely it's fantastic especially once he is now going to be the crown or he is the crown prince i guess he's going to be the king the the underlying dynamic of them as siblings like he, like august is a little bit older i don't know you get the impression he's always been the like he bossed around his little cousin 
and then the moment when he has to sort of accept oh <laughs> yeah this is changing uh was fascinating to watch everything you're saying about the nobility stuff i mean on a kind of like sociological abstract level i'm like yes that is exactly how i would expect human beings to behave in, with certain conditions and, and culture cultural conditioning um, and yet it just blows my mind that this is like the 21st century or even late 20th century. And it's a thing that exists. I mean, it sounds like you're describing a, you know, <laughs> a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, they're, they're stuck in the past, right? They're yeah. it's the only way to describe it. Yeah, That's really fascinating. Impressive. And then I think it speaks to what you were saying. Like, I feel like then I wish, I, I definitely got that from the mother, but I wish I understood that that aspect of the pressure with Felice maybe a little bit more mm, so maybe yeah. we did need more like time a, would have been nice more time with yeah. with that because uh, I actually really liked Felice I thought she was really interesting she was probably one of my favorite popular girls that I've seen in a while mm. she felt like uh, complicated and in the interesting ways and whenever she was reaching out to Sarah it felt real right uh and genuine and I didn't doubt that aspect of her uh and so I don't know I thought she was just really interesting and I enjoyed watching her but it sometimes felt a little bit too separate than from the rest of the show like because obviously like at the end of it the, the heart of the show is Wilhelm and Simon so um I just you know wish they could integrate those a little bit more yeah mm. Felice is a great example of the thing I mentioned earlier about how the, especially in the very beginning it felt like there was a sort of lack of um focus for the show and for example in Scam, it's uh shame right I mean it's literally in the in the title and it's sort of exploring how every kid even if it's not their specific season how it manifests in their life or how 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 they're dealing with it and with felice it, it you know, like you said it feels a little bit like oh and there's there's also this other kind of rich kid at boarding school thing going on um however i loved her character and i loved her relationship with sarah and i <laughs> um definitely wanted more of it and more in depth to, like i mean taking it just like feeling it more, feeling that pressure more from her mom, or there's a line sort of towards the end when, she, well, even the whole kind of mini plot of trying on the dress and it doesn't fit. And we mentioned earlier how much we loved sort of realistic casting uh, where not everyone is like a model or whatever, <laughs> bikini ready model. And, uh, you know, it felt like I was like, I, I wanted more direct recognition of that. Like, is that, um, it was until episode five, I think that it comes in. It's the Lucia episode. Um, I didn't even know if that was like, I did, had no idea that was a thing that was a pressure acting on her. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I totally would have loved to see so much more. Of there is another, little, there is another little dig when the mom comes for parents weekend where the mom gives her like a gift. And it's like, she says like, Oh, it's a it's a little it's a little big on me or something or it's a little bigger than, than my size so it should fit you but it's just it's just there like it's yes. like here um, three bags of louis vuitton clothes i'm sorry sweetie they didn't fit me they're too big have them <laughs> yes i totally like yes it was such a throwaway comment i didn't even fully register but you're totally right I, i'm not saying that we can't have more of that because it's not fully acknowledged I think as much as it could have been yeah, and yeah. I think in interesting ways forgive me I Simone's sister is Sarah Stella I Sarah it wasn't say I also really really loved the way that resolves and it seems like it's going to set up this rivalry hatred Sarah has the thing that she wants but can't have but also vice versa and then she just sort of takes her under you know they just become friends and it really really worked for me what did yeah. you guys think I was trying to be much more aware of Sarah's arc the second time around because I knew where it was going and it's the one that I had 
a little bit the most issue with this first time. I think it worked a little bit better. Uh, both uh, Simon and Sarah do see the school as like an opportunity to an opportunity to just see it as different types of opportunity. Simon's definitely more focused on like the after. What what are the opportunities that this education is going to give me? And he genuinely does not seem to care about a lot of the other stuff. Whereas Sarah's like, no, it's the connections, right? And those people and that that lifestyle. Uh, and and so I thought it was more well set up here, and also in a way where in the end. I understood her 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 desire a little bit more and also it's not like she's leaving her family behind and you know she's never going to talk to her brother again like it was like complicated and nuanced in that way tying it to the like sort of that breaking point for her being the dad also mostly worked for me because it had been set up since the first episode even though they're very vague about it <laughs> I, I will say I, I'm a little bit like okay can you you know, I, I get what you're trying to go for, but Sarah is so adamant of like, we don't want this person in our lives that I'm just like, I wish I'd had a sort of, I mean, yeah, he's a, I understand the dad's an alcoholic. I understand he's not a good parent. I understand he's, but just the depth of that feeling from Sarah, I guess maybe I didn't understand how that, that was going to be her breaking point of like, I can't be in this house anymore situation. Yeah, they don't give us a whole lot of insight, unless I missed it, but they don't, into, we know, I know intellectually, that's what, it, that, you know, the fat parents are separated, he's clearly has issues, but he seems kind of like he's gotten his life back together in a way, like, at least he's trying, he's, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, and he certainly cares for his kids, unless I misinterpreted no. that as well. No, no, no he, I did. He, he cares. He cares. He and I think that's, and I think that's the part that wins you over because you, you're just told so much about the bad. Right. Uh, you see him one time, like, and you understand that, um, you know, this is something that Simon grew up. Oh, I know how to deal with my dad when he's like this. And that, that momentary anger. I, I, yeah. When he takes the rest of the pills, a hundred percent got it. And then maybe it is because it's kept so separate from Sarah the entire season that then it's hard for me to make that. And, and her anger about like, you know, mom should have gotten us out of there earlier. I felt for her, but then I wasn't ready for it, you know? Cause like we're, again, we're being told not really shown. Right. So what I see is him making an effort and the only child in the family I've seen interact with him seems not okay with it, but he knows how to deal with it. Like you said. And so I don't, we don't really ever see an, or maybe it's perhaps too late that we see. Yeah, I think maybe it's too late. So, so it's very like intellectual, not real. And would you say her, this is this is kind of where I feel with her, where I'm like, I think I get what it is, but I couldn't, I, I'm like, I want to confirm with you guys if you get this out of her as well, that her, the upbringing was so, let's say, traumatizing or scarring that when she sees this, what looks like an idealized life, which is one of wealth and comfort, at least, that that's why she kind of latches onto it. And especially when faced with her father, who seems so the opposite of that, like so from the problems of the lower class, like, is that kind of how you would understand her, her arc to the dark side, not, not to the dark side, but just her, her her trajectory in the, in the second half yeah I, I i agree so there's two things going on with sarah right for the first is the family thing where, where they the family ejected their father because he was yeah. just a fuck up sorry yeah. you gotta go and they they pushed him out of their lives uh, and then simon only reconnects because he needs something not because he likes it yeah. it's, it's it's as if the family sort of made a promise to each other no we're not gonna see dad anymore sorry he's out it's us now and the second thing going on for Sarah is that the show really doesn't explain this, that she was bullied at her old school. 
the whole reason these two kids, these two lower class kids are at this upper class school is because it was the closest uh, other school for them. So she was bullied and then they sort of made a petition to school. Hey, can you take these kids in? There's no other school in the vicinity, please. She needs to go to a different school. Uh, and then Simon tags along because he is her brother and he wants to sort of protect her. So I was like, can you take in these kids? They're good kids. They have good grades. And then the school said, yeah, sure, we'll take them. Even though it sets them up for sort of social drama and issues, right? So so, uh, so what Sara gets at this school, she finally gets a sense of belonging. She gets friends, which she apparently has never really had before, right? She's been, she's been this weird spectrum kid bullied outcast and here she gets to she gets to take care of horses she loves horses and she actually becomes friends with fleece and her her gang and gets an in there and she gets belonging she gets to be one of the girls which she really 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 wants which is why she she reacts so violently when the the sex tape leaks their mom says i don't want you at the school i want to pull you out of the school she's like no i have to stay at this school it's the most important thing in my life so that's sort of her arc yeah, I didn't fully grasp the bullying side mm. aspect of her past. And that definitely anchors that belonging and her connection to the horses also really um, yeah. moved me and made me understand why she's so desperate to be there. Yeah, I, I really liked sort of her tent because I, I, I got the sense a little bit of she was trying uh, sort of a different way at the school, right? So she had the horses. Uh, and so she was trying to sort of connect with Felice in that way. And then I thought, uh, you know, I, I did remember her history of bullying. So, but her in that first episode, just telling Felice, I have Asperger's and ADHD felt brave for her. And the fact that Felice accepted it, I think was groundbreaking. And that was a lot, a lot to me of what tied that, which then makes it so much more complicated with August at the end, because I'm like, clearly, it's sort of the thing that clicked here was Felice. And so why are you jeopardizing that? Yeah. <laughs> do you want do, do we want to talk about that for a second? We can <laughs> talk about that for a second. Yeah. Because uh when August kisses her in the barn, it was very uncomfortable. I mean, I don't like I was thinking that we need a slightly milder version than sexual assault, but more harsh than sexual harassment. It was like somewhere in between. It felt very like abrasive and so when then she seems to form a crush on him I was like I don't know how to (laughs) interpret this or how to relate to or just it felt very not good (laughs) I mean I guess it's supposed to it's not good he's a quote unquote a bad guy and also her best friend's boyfriend slash ex-boyfriend but I I don't know I felt very like oh I don't know this has felt made me feel very uncomfortable and then when she kind of she in in a way she plays their upper class games better yeah. than some of they do some um when she sort of pulls her card about get me you know get me into the school and I get why she's doing it for all the reasons we just talked about but then when they end up having or it, they end up making out I guess I don't know if they explicitly have sex yeah uh, she, she initiates it yeah it's like exactly oh girl this, this yeah is exactly. and so again I'm trying to put myself in a perspective of like she feels conflicted but she is welcoming this attention so she wants to to see where that goes but yeah I can't I can't stop being like no girl no no don't do it why so so is it attention do you think like this is probably the first boy who's kind of shown an interest in her and that's what absolutely that that, that was her first kiss very probably yeah yeah like even though it was non-consensual and he just (laughs) not quite assaulted her at the stables that was her first kiss Right. right. God, that's in a way really <laughs> admirably complicated. I mean, yeah. he's one of the, yeah, one of the stronger characters. And I wish we had a little bit more 
digging into all of that. There's also a nice tie-in with Felice where both of them sort of teach each other. Uh, the whole situation about uh, Sarah's dad, Mika, is that she, she, she tells her that, no, no, we, our family hates our dad. We mm -hmm. cut him out. And Felice is like, what? You can sing can no do that? to your parents? <laughs> is that possible? Right? It's like never occurred to her that that families can sort of not stick together. Because yeah. if, you're, if you're upper class, family sticks together no matter what. People are people are have have affairs, they have lovers, they have mistresses, whatever. Family sticks together. You're married for life. This is how you do it. Family above everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of fascinating of what do you mean you don't see your dad? Like <laughs> he's he's a bad person, so I just don't see him anymore. And it's like, huh, okay. <laughs> interesting uh, yeah. so I thought that was a little bit a fascinating a glimpse into that dynamic too kind of uh along with August's uh weights holding him down Felice's hair clips uh showing up oh, in yeah and I was like well this is single white female over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was I like that I, I had to check the hair clips in real life do you know how much they cost how much 250 bucks each for hair clips for hair clips <laughs> how did you even I find them it. that's so fascinating uh some other people were like internet slow thing i go like, yeah and what is this thing uh, i found them it's like it's versace medusa hairpin something something 250 bucks or actually right now it's like 250 bucks for the left one 275 for the right one. Oh, okay the right one's more expensive <laughs> that's when you're really upper class when you yeah. get the right one <laughs> why what the hell wow. is going on they're crazy uh, yeah it's just funny <laughs> That's fascinating. It's really, it's, it is interesting though, that, that for a detail like that, they did like, you know, spend the money on that. Mm. Um, that was, that was a really good um, choice then I would say. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just one of those things. If you know, you know. Yeah. If yeah. you don't, you don't really care. Right. There's, there's actually a scene earlier where Linda put some hairpins in Sarah's hair and they're just super plain hairpins because she's like poor right yeah, yeah. exactly and then yeah. Felice does the same thing she's like oh you can take my hairpins no no biggie here you go 500 bucks and then Simon's like can I have those to pay for my tutoring <laughs> yeah that would that, that would pay the entire tutoring bill yeah. yes absolutely suddenly I'm completely understanding Sarah yeah she's got the right idea <laughs> and then I don't think we've actually talked about Simon so I say let's circle back to that yeah my big uh, note on him was that, like, I wish he had been the main character. <laughs> I feel like that, but it's strange. I mean, it's interesting that they went with Wilhelm. I feel like Simone is the more archetypal choice, sort of like the more the story that you would expect it because he's more relatable because he's a real, I mean, like a real kid. Like I have a, you know, it's harder for the average person to relate to a noble's problem. Well, and usually to... these type of shows, that's our point of view character, right? Exactly. Coming in. Exactly. And then falling in love with uh like there there are fish out of water and then comes another kind of fish out of water who's the bad boy prince falling in love like it's like it writes itself so it was interesting that they went with Wilhelm but but I still kind of wish it had been Simon I felt more much more maybe it's because he's a, he's a socialist and so am I but I felt much more like <laughs> like connected with him than than I did with Wilhelm and it's through him that I got to like Wilhelm in a weird way I mean I, I mean I liked Wilhelm I, I but I didn't I just didn't, I don't know. He was sort of, he's just sort of there for me for the first two or three episodes. Um, maybe I'm a little bit like boohoo, poor little rich kid. Maybe I'm just being yeah. a bitch, but, <laughs> but, but uh, I don't know. That's my, that's my two cents on Simon. I wish he'd been the main. Fair enough. I really liked 
I can't remember if this episode five or six. I can't remember if, if I if they're talking about Alexander or the video, but I think they're talking about Alexander, where it's kind of what we were saying, where like, you know, the, the part of the problem is all these external pressures and uh, sort of the value that they put on like the royal family and whatever. And I liked that Simon was just like, what about my family? <laughs> like, it, like there is no question of the equality in his eyes of like your problems aren't bigger than mine like I'm yeah. sorry I'm sorry you're the prince but your problems are not bigger than mine and that was kind of his point of view since the first episode and so I liked that regardless of his feelings towards Wilhelm he was always like I'm worth something uh and that is equal to whatever you are worth you know and I really appreciate that I really loved it a hundred percent a hundred percent seconded even if I did sometimes, uh, I did like that we had his two friends who were sort of make really emphasizing the the way that he was changing in the school and not always for the better. I didn't like seeing those sides of him, but I I also did understand them. Those. Yeah, th- th- there's also a bit of tall poppy syndrome going on. Uh, his friends are actually cutting him down uh, in this a bunch of scenes where he he's, mm-hmm. he says had rowing practice and they're like, what do you mean rowing? That's not a sport. Football, that's a sport right? Be calm. Be, be a lower class kid like we know you are. Come on. This is where you belong. Don't leave, don't leave the hood. It's, it's basically what they're saying, right? So don't, don't think you're something. Don't, don't try to move up in the world just because you have rich kid friends now. Um, so they are, they are actually cutting him down a little bit. Yes. Um, I thought that was a really interesting dynamic where you could feel that awkwardness and like there are moments they're just kind of looking at each other and they don't know how to respond because yeah, they want the, the Simon that they know the uh, mm. And they really are struggling with the idea that he wants to better himself, whatever that means. So like, what, what does that, and that, that conflict I thought was interesting, even though they they do remain loyal to to him throughout, which I do like, I like that he has somebody in his corner always, but yeah. They come back when it counts. That's, that's what matters. Yeah. 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 And they're the ones it's Rosh at the end. Who's like, what do you mean you're going to leave that school? No, like because of something they did. So I was like, okay, all right. You get, you get a couple points there. You got a couple points there. I know that was hard for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, someone's conflict is so interesting to me where he is, yeah, taken out of his surroundings, put into, put into this, I mean, not the enemy, but kind of the enemy's world. And then he has one foot in both. And where does he belong more? And can he navigate both? Can he put on one mask? But then kind of like at some point belongs in neither because obviously the the rich kid school, certainly August never makes him feel welcome and to varying degrees from the others. And then, and then he's, but, but the more time he's there, the less he belongs in the old world. And so as a process by which he finds himself and finds a way to balance that, that is like a fascinating to me character journey to like emotional journey to watch. There's, there's also a parallel here because neither Simon nor Wilhelm wants to be at the school. So Simon is only there to protect his sister. He didn't want to go there, but his sister had to go there, had to be moved there. So he has to follow along and sort of protect her and make sure no one bullies her here. And Wilhelm is, well, obviously the whole premise of the show is like, no, you go to the school now, kid. You have no choice. Yeah, that's so, a great so, point. Yeah, and, and they, they even actually explicitly, there's a thing at the end of episode one where they sneak off and I think Wilhelm asks first, hey, do you like it here? And Simon doesn't answer. He just says, well, do you? <laughs> right. So both of them are sort of are bonding over this thing that I don't want to be here. Wilhelm is supposed to love it and he just yeah. doesn't because that's not the kind of person he is. 
And that's the thing that makes Willem stand out is as a character is that he, even though technically belongs to this world, never really feels like he belongs in it and sort of sees through its trappings in a weird way, mm. even though even though he, I don't think he's even capable of articulating it necessarily in the beginning until he starts being friends with Simone. Yeah, and, and, then, and everyone around him sees it. They notice like, well, he doesn't seem to be as into this stuff as Eric was, right? And it's like remarked upon. Uh, it's not It's not like some, not a big warning sign yet, but they they see it. They mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I thought that was interesting too, that he's not even kind of good at faking it because he has no interest in even doing that much. And when it comes to Simon too, you know, at the end of the season, Sarah is basically calling him like a pushover, right? Like she, like he lets everyone step all over him and I don't know that I agree with that I think and I think that just like Sarah has changed but I don't know what it what what's your interpretation of that yeah I mean I, I think Sarah's wrong actually. right okay yeah. I'm like it's just that she's the one that's changed and and yeah. now she's trying to imitate the people at the school and that's how them that how they work whereas like we're saying uh Simon has no interest in changing himself that mm. way like he's essentially going to still be the same person that he is and that's a, a pretty decent nice person uh <laughs> at the end of the day right who again understands his worth uh so i i really um liked that yeah yeah the whole class issue again uh, about the relationship right is that for for wilhelm having a secret relationship this is just how you do it if you're up yeah. to class you hide it everyone okay. does it so, so it's not surprising, it's not weird to him, right? And then, then Simon is, is openly gay. It's like, no, 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 no. I have a worth. I want an open life. I want to be public about this. Yeah, I'm not going to sneak around. The hell? Yeah. I totally um, didn't think about that, that for Willem, it's kind of normal. Like yeah. he's probably seen lots of people have affairs and just keep it under the table and everyone just keeps on moving as if everything is normal. Yeah, and the distinction between public and private is very distinct like there's no there's nothing wrong with that right uh, um, i mean yeah, he almost doesn't see why what he's asking simone to do is so hard until simone is like everything has to be on your terms yeah and i think that's that hug is him trying um to sort of be like see i i can meet you halfway and simone is like this is not halfway goodbye <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you still got some work to do uh, yeah, that's fair interpretation of that scene. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I was going to say about Simon and his story arcs is that he he's not the main character, right? But he's still very fleshed out. He has mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on. He has the whole uh, booze, drugs, dad business does not involve Wilhelm. Mm-hmm. That, that, that plot line just works without him. Without If you remove Wilhelm from the story, you would still have a thing with him and his sister attending this upper class school, you could still make a fairly interesting show, uh, even if you remove Wilhelm, which is kind of nice. It's just not the love interest. It's not just there to be pretty and kiss the prince, right? It's, it's not his purpose. Uh, he has way, way more things going on. Um, and also his sort of class journey thing, attempt, or whatever you want to call it. Um, There's <laughs> plenty of stuff there, right, too. So that's, that's very mm-hmm. to the show, too, not just focus exclusively on on the romance on Wilhelm on the ship yes. right yeah. yeah and as much as they, that they didn't make him the main I do appreciate that they still gave him such a full flesh character like you said yeah. with Plenty a lot of, his of own stuff. stuff yeah with the regarding the ending between the two of them I I don't know how you guys felt about it I was strangely un in a way unsatisfied by specifically by the fact that 
um, I feel like, and maybe I'm misinterpreting this, but I kind of felt like the show is portraying it as this sort of like tragedy, romantic, noble thing from Willem. And I, I wish it were more sort of morally decisive. Um, like Willem is not morally <laughs> uh, bold or noble or anything. He's sort of a coward actually. And even in that hug, it's, so when he makes his attempt at a hug, I don't know, I felt I was either like embrace this being a cowardly choice from him and then something he has to recover from in the second season, like he has made a choice and now he has to deal with it. Uh, or, or the opposite ending could have been him just sort of like boldly like going to the press conference and being like, yep, I'm gay, deal with it, like mic drop, walk away, season two, constitutional crisis, I don't know. It's, uh, not, not, not that I'm saying I prefer that ending, I, I don't necessarily, but I just, the, something with the way they were framing, you know, him walking away and looking back and after the hug and everything that I was a little bit like, show, don't make him a noble hero. <laughs> I know he's your main character, but I don't know, how did you guys feel about it? And I do think that a lot of it comes, like I was saying, from the way the reason that it works for me um, is because of Simon's reaction where he's kind of like, I'm going to hug you because I still care about you, but uh, I'm not going to reciprocate these feelings and I wish you well. Uh, and so that's why it works. And then I do think that they aren't as, as clear as in other moments, but I do think that after he makes the, the choice to lie, everything that happens in the aftermath is just confirming that he is like a, a coward. Like, so that the hanging up on the mom when he uh, finds out that that she knew, even Flea's coming in like over and over, that that is what the show is doing. It's confirming that he made he made that wrong choice. The hug isn't enough because <laughs> um, everyone at school already knows that it was them. Yeah, so. yeah. Right. Everyone, I mean, everyone knows, right? He's not, he's not really telling anything. Yeah, it's right, right, right. New, right? Well, definitely. I mean, the show, the show is very clear that him making his official statement uh, being what the queen wants is a cowardly choice and one that he regrets and feels really bad about. And, and then, then it turns out that it was uh, August and, you know, there's this like rage of like, why did you do this to me? All, all of that is, is very clear. It was just very, very specifically the hug that I was a little bit like, Okay, well, I don't, don't I make him a hero. Think being noble. But Absolutely. I, yeah. But I feel like this, I don't know. It, this is literally just like shot choice kind of choice stuff and yeah. music and where I was like, there's definitely he thinks he's being a little bit noble and I and I don't think he is. So I wish the, tro- the show well, were more on my side. <laughs> but the, most of the camera is on Simon's face. And like, I thought that was a good choice to like- That's true, yeah. Yes, it's true. Of hugging back, but then also being like, nope. That's nope. true. Especially the main kind of, I mean, it's not even an over the shoulder. It's 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 where Simone, I mean, yeah. uh, Willem is the back to the camera and Simone is kind of like, yeah. All right. <laughs> and that's, I think that's when he says, I love you. And so yeah, that's like, when he says, I love you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. Yeah. Merry yeah. Christmas. Bye. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. I mean, it's a complex. Okay. And I, I actually didn't remember the specific. I only remember the, the hug. I didn't remember sort of like even that I love. So that would have left the impression on me was just the hug. But I definitely liked it much more. That's the second time around. I saw more in that hug than I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> for, for whatever that's worth. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, okay, see, there you go. No, not enough. Goodbye. Uh, yeah. And, but then I think it also really is what you were saying. At the end of the day, our main character is still Wilhelm. So it's his heartbreak that we're going right. to end up on. And so that sort of uh, ending with, again, him looking at the camera situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's also obvious setup for a next season. There it's, yes. it's fairly open-ended. 
they're not really committing to any storyline. It can go, yep. he can keeping a coward or he can do something public and come out. Or, yep. you, you can exactly. go anyway, right? So yeah. with a sort of production technicality, it's like, yeah, okay, sure. I, I understand why you made this choice here. It's, it's fine, it's fine. It's interesting, yeah, that's a good point. They're actually walking a very fine line where they are leaving mm-hmm. themselves open for their season, but it could actually be the end. Yeah, yeah. it could and be the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Story. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I agree. And it would be, wow. it would be a sad story, but a good one. Yeah, yeah. One. yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I, a lot of my family's over at my house because um, my brother's getting married in five, in two days? Two, I don't know, Saturday. I have no idea what day it is. Good luck. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I was watching it and a lot of people were coming in and out. Uh, and I'd been talking about the show before. So my cousin was like, this was not the vibe I expected from this show. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, it's way sadder. Uh, granted, it was the last three episodes that we were talking about. <laughs> she's like that when you were like oh yeah this this young royals and i think i had maybe showed like a couple of uh because i really like how they do the heading the title um every episode i think it's really beautiful um maybe i shown her that uh and she's like yeah not not the vibe that i was expecting at all (laughs) in the trailer my memory of it is that it's very like 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 flashy sharp cutting yeah and it's almost straight washed as well they're really <laughs> sort of hiding oh shit this is the gay love story holy crap um <laughs> point, it's kind yeah. of funny uh but i was actually so i was in stockholm this summer when it okay. premiered uh, and there were actually tons of advertisement about town for the thing they huge banners in a bunch of places uh, and they were also slightly toned down some some of them featured Simon as well and Simon and okay. was kissing was kind of cute uh, but most of them actually didn't. So it's like, what is this about? Uh, they're, oh, they're really, they were really sort of hiding it. Um, yeah, I don't know if they wanted to sort of okay. fool people or I don't know why they did it. When at the end of the day, that is the pool of the show. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did they think the mystery would intrigue people or did they not want to turn off people who would be turned off by the idea of a gay love story? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if they're going to, for some sort of uh, elite... That, that show yeah. thing that yeah. it would hey we, we, we're like we're like that Spanish show that you all loved on Netflix right and then yeah. no they're not absolutely no, not, not. At all. <laughs> not at all. yeah my mom was like didn't you guys do a lead on the podcast and I was like no not the vibe no no, no. <laughs> not the vibe that is, no <laughs> she's like oh I'm sorry yeah. I watched a little bit of it I think last time I was here she was like I was like no that was just for me and even then I stopped like it's a lot but yeah that's interesting I did see some videos of Omar performing as yeah. part of the promo I stuff. missed it I could have been there it? and I oh. missed it I had no idea I saw some videos and I thought it was really cool. They just did a pop-up performance. They just showed up at some square in the city, did a little song and dance number. Edwin and a bunch of other rest of the cast were there watching. They filmed it a bit. That they they, were watching too. uh, And then disappeared. So like almost like a uh, flash mob, except it was his choir performer. It was around the choir. Oh, that's so cool. Super weird. And I saw the videos afterwards. I'm like, crap, I could have been there. Weird marketing. I mean, why didn't they tell people more? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, what they're thinking. You could have, you could have, yeah. So I, I saw it on Alex at Nasser Hall, who, who did the first scam podcast that has never been finished. He he loves Young Royals. And so yeah. I saw it on his uh, feed and I was like, oh, wow, okay. Gabby, way to call him out. <laughs> no, they actually posted an episode like four months ago. And I was like, 
you know what? Your schedule is worse than mine. So you're making me, they haven't even finished OG. They're in season four. They've been in season four for years. <laughs> That's right. Oops. Make ourselves feel better. So it yeah. makes me feel slightly better, just slightly. <laughs> no, but I think, so from a marketing perspective, I think Netflix was actually kind of surprised by the success. Um, I saw a list recently of which Netflix shows uh, got the most attention after the premiere through word of mouth and Ryan Royals topped that list. Nice. That's awesome. It was ahead of, it was ahead of Squid Game, I think was like number two on that list, obviously. Right. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, I, I, I would believe that. 